Hey, everybody. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Monolith Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and this week I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. All right. All right. All right. So, promote, extend, and trade. On this date, in 1835, the provisional government of the newly formed Republic of Texas created a police force that would protect settlers from bandits and Native American raiders and whoever else. And obviously the Texas Rangers would go on to have uh, a very big impact on Texan culture. And obviously when the Washington Senators moved to Texas, they named the team the Rangers. And the Mets and the Rangers have made a few trades since the 70s. So this is a little unorthodox here, I guess. But all these three trades, um, what are we going to promote, extend, and trade? So I guess for this context, promote is a trade that we're neutral on. Uh, extend is a trade that we're very positive about and trade is a trade that we are not happy about. Trade that trade. Trade that trade. First up was, uh, December 8th, 1977. The New York Mets traded John Matlack and John Milner to the Texas Rangers in exchange for Willie Montanez, Ken Henderson, Ken Henderson, and Tom Grieve. Next is April 1st, 1982, when the Mets traded Lee Mazzilli to the Texas Rangers in exchange for Ron Darling and Walt Terrell. Mm. And finally, August 30th, 2006, the Mets traded Victor Diaz to the Texas Rangers in exchange for Mike Nickius. Extend the second one, promote the last one, because Nickius was in that Dickey trade, wasn't he? He was. All he right, was, so yeah, promote that because we need the Dickey trade to get. He the was the player to be added later, or, or, or whatever the phrase was. The Wasn't it like a non-elite, non-elite prospect or something yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, something to that effect. Okay, so promote him because he's part of the Thor Thor Dickey trade, and then uh, that leaves us trading that '70s trade. Yeah. So um, John Matlack had an almost seven F four season that year for the Rangers after Oops. the trade. So yeah, let's let's uh let's trade that. It's not like any of those guys that the Mets got back ever amounted to much. Yep. <laughs> it would be the equivalent of trading I wouldn't want to say DeGrom because I mean Matt Lack wasn't a back to back Cy Young winner or nothing like you know that. What it, but... You know what it honestly would remind me of if the Mets like traded Noah Syndergaard after a down year and then he came to a new team. <laughs> so basically that's kind saying, of exactly what happened is he was like a, an all-star caliber pitcher from uh basically 72 through 76 and then in 1977 he had an era over four just as like a blip year and then the mets traded him and he had his you know arguably his best or second best season but his- did he tweet too much maybe <laughs> Did he well, piss off the owner's fail son? I, I assume something of that sort happened. <laughs> Probably money related. Yeah, I mean, the Mets were so bad back then. They were just getting rid of everyone to try to start over. That's true. It was basically what happened with Seaver a few yeah. years ago, right? They had like a fight over financials and pushed him out of town. I don't know how, how hard they pushed him out of town because, I mean, Seaver was a kind of – Unique case, I guess, but 
Yeah. And that was December 8th, which is, you know, a few weeks from now. So let's hope that history does not repeat itself here. All right. Um, this week, we're going to be going over the Syracuse Mets season. The way that the Mets got to Syracuse is a little convoluted in a way. So I'm just going to go over how the Syracuse Mets came to be. So basically, uh, in 1969, the Mets moved their AAA International League affiliate from Jacksonville, where they were the Jacksonville Suns, to Portsmouth, Virginia. A year later, they went from Portsmouth to Norfolk, and then for the next 38 years, the Mets and the Tidewater Tides and then the Norfolk Tides had a relationship. Things got a little testy in the later days of that relationship, with Norfolk executives at the time basically saying that there was... Often no communication from Mets, and then when there was communication, it was kind of threatening and intimidation instead of constructive dialogue. And there are two um, individuals, maybe one individual that can be blamed for that. I, I believe he was mentioned earlier as a fail son, but we're not going to yeah. name names, point fingers, or nothing like that. Um, but eventually at the end of the 20 excuse me, the 2007 season, uh, the writing was on the wall and looked like the relationship between those two teams is going to break. And even though the Mets could have done something to fix it, they literally could not bring themselves to communicate with the Norfolk people. They actually had David Wright do it. Obviously, um, you know, at the time, David Wright, you know, his star power was maybe the biggest that it had ever been. And obviously, he is a, a local kid, so there was a connection to the area. So, you know, maybe if that was part of the delegation to fix things, that would have been fine. But no, he was literally the only representative that the Mets had um, speaking with the Norfolk people. David Wright can only do so much, and the Tides officially signed with the Baltimore Orioles, which left the Mets scrambling for a Triple-A team. So for two years, from 2007 to 2008, they were affiliated with the New Orleans Zephyrs. When that player development contract expired, the Mets moved their affiliate to Buffalo, and that would have been a perfect relationship because Buffalo, you know, it's a storied, profitable franchise. It's in New York. It's like an hour and a half away, you know, two hours from City Field by plane. Would have been great. The Mets were there from 2009 to 2012, but yet again... They screwed up their relationship with the AAA team. Um, attendance went down, profits went down in Buffalo, and the Buffalo executives, they blamed it on the Mets, basically giving them really bad teams and basically doing next to nothing to advertise and promote the fact that, you know, Buffalo was their AAA team. So for a second time in less than a decade, the Mets were left scrambling, uh, looking for a AAA partner. And again, they had to settle on the team that no one else wanted, and this time is the Las Vegas 51s. Mets were there for a while, from 2013 until 2018. And then at the near the end of that season, um, the Mets announced that they were purchasing the Syracuse Chiefs and that they would be moving their AAA team over there in 2019. So the AAA team has kind of been a bit nomadic, and... It all comes down to, once again, 
Mets brass not being very good executives. But all in all, uh, in their first year in Syracuse, it's pretty good. Uh, they started the year off strong. They went 15 and 9 in April. They swooned a little bit back in May and June. Uh, and that left them with a record under 500, uh, coming up to the AAA All-Star game. But after the All-Star game, business picked up. They won 20 of the last 20 games in, uh, mid to late July. And then they went 19 and 10 in August. And that surge late in the year inched them closer and closer to catching up with the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Well Riders, uh, who were basically had had a pretty strong grip on first place in the International League North for most of the year. And on the last day of the season, Syracuse beat the Rochester Red Wings, and Scranton Wilkes-Barre lost to Buffalo, and that forced a one-game tiebreaker to see who would uh, end the this, this season in first in the division. The winner would be the International League North Division champion, and the other was going to go home because the Durham Bulls had a better record, and they were the International League wildcard uh, champions, whatever you want to call it. That one-game playoff was one hell of a game. Uh, Syracuse scored five runs in the top of the first, and it looked like they were well on their way to winning the division. By the time the seventh inning stretched, they had a seven to one lead. But as we are very familiar with as Mets fans, there's no such thing as a too big lead when the bullpen is involved. Uh, Irvin Santana, who was the starter for that game, he'd been pretty much cruising, but he fell apart after he came back out for the seventh. Him, Nick Rumbelow, and Steven Nogasek, who pretty much had been lights out for the entire year, they combined to allow five runs. In the bottom of the seventh. So what had been probably a route was now a seven to six ball game when the inning finally ended. Syracuse, the bats woke up in the top of the eighth and they got all those runs back and then some. They scored six runs and that gave them a 13 to six lead. But in the bottom of the inning, again, the bullpen imploded. Nogasek, he, he struggled. Brooks Pounder and Eric Hanhold relieved him. And they sucked it up. And in a stunning turn of events, the Rail Riders took a 14 to 13 lead. And then Syracuse went down 1, 2, 3 in the ninth. And that was that. And, uh, it was exciting, but unfortunately it was not the result that we wanted to see. Part of that problem is, was the fact that, you know, the team, it wasn't really that great of a team, even though they did end up in second place in the division and, and were in contention for a playoff spot. It wasn't it just we'll, – we'll talk about it in a second, but it wasn't good. Um, so we're going to take a quick break here, and when we get back, we'll look at the, big, the Syracuse Mets. We'll look at the team, and we'll discuss who exactly was on it. So we will be right back. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Lavin. And we were just going over the Syracuse Mets. And for a variety of reasons, the team had a lot of outside free agents on the team as compared to uh, homegrown guys that moved up the system. Uh, I think we mentioned it last week when we were talking about Binghamton. An additional problem that comes up when the Mets draft poorly is that the, the dropout rate is pretty high and guys don't necessarily make it to the upper levels of the system. So as a result, they have to dip into the free agent market. 
and over the course of last winter and then over the course of the season, I think I counted everybody, but I might have missed a guy or two. <clears throat> the Mets signed 23 guys that ended up spending some time in Syracuse. I don't know if that's normal, but that seems a bit high. It seems a bit excessive, yeah. Yeah. So here are the guys that uh, were signed to minor league contracts that played for Syracuse for some amount of time. A couple of these guys were initially signed to Syracuse and then got moved down to Binghamton or vice versa. They originally started the season in Binghamton, but then they got bumped up to Syracuse. But we have Arismendi Alcantara, Aaron Althair, Luis Avalon, Gregor Blanco, Archimedes Caminero, Rajai Davis, Danny Espinosa, Carlos Gomez, Adani Echeverria, Dilson Herrera, Matt Kemp, Jason Kreisan, Zach Lee, Rymer Liriano, Chris Mazza, Devin Mezzarocco, with a little asterisk attached, uh, Rene Rivera, Ryan O'Rourke, Irvin Santana, Hector Santiago, Travis Tyrone, Ruben Tejada, and Justin Wilson. So, not everybody ended the season in the organization. A couple of guys either left, uh, had their contracts, you know, dropped, whatever. Um, Chris Mazza and Justin Wilson, they're currently on the Mets 40-man roster yeah, right I now. Think, I think Wilson was a, a rehab stint. Mm. All right. Well, then we can knock him off, but everybody yeah, else, though. on the 40, I think. Yeah. Everybody else is a free agent of that group. Now, as we discussed last week, the, the Binghamton team's not really that great. Um, so, again, the Mets are probably going to have to dip into the minor league free agent market to fill a lot of the holes that are going to be uh, popping up in Syracuse next season. So, of that giant list of minor league free agents, who would you guys be interested in bringing back for another season? Um, let's start with, uh, I think Louis Avalon, um, was, you know, not only contributed in AAA, but was pretty good for the big league team when they used him specifically in the way that he should be used, which is only against lefties. Hmm. Um, I think that's an interesting way or an interesting dude to bring back potentially. <laughs> so using the left-handed reliever that specializes yeah, in no, getting left-handed out. Um, yeah. Uh, for all you kids out there did a, a bit about it recently saying that, um, like they went over his, his left, right splits and <laughs> not great, Bob. Mm. Uh, but yeah, he can get lefties out. <laughs> so, uh, I would definitely bring him back, uh, if he's amenable to possibly starting in, in AAA. Um, I'd probably, I mean, well, Dilson, obviously. Dilson can have as many chances as he wants. It's very true. I was, uh, very disappointed that he didn't get a cup of coffee, uh, last year. Yeah, the Mets handling of that whole situation is still kind of a little weird. Yep. Not uh, that he's a super talent or anything like that, but no, but the you know had stretches where he looked pretty good, and mm-hmm. they had you know forty man room 
or could have called him up in September. Um, let's see, Dilson. By that same coin, Ruben Tejada I would totally bring back just for old time's sake. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so Louis Avalon, <laughs> left-right splits. Batters, left-handers hit 102, 185, 184. All right, pretty good. Very good. Right-handers hit 373, 460, 587. And he faced about 30 more right-handers than left-handers. <laughs> I'm not a baseball manager. I'm not in the clubhouse. I'm not in the dugout. I'm not involved in any way, shape, or form with a, with a team. I don't understand, though, like, that, to me, that doesn't seem like, you know, I could see, you know, there's, there's no, no, resistance like, from, If anything, like, teams are over-reliant on platoon splits or read too much into platoon splits, but that's a pretty obvious one. Right, <laughs> that's see. what I'm saying. Like, uh, are you, are you insinuating that Mickey Calloway might have been incompetent? <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked and appalled to hear these accusations, honestly. The, you know, the, the pitching man, the, the pitching coach manager did not know how to use a bullpen. Hmm. I mean, they did this shit with Jerry Blevins, too, so is yeah, it that Blevins, surprising? Blevins had that one year where he, he did well as a crossover. Release. Right, right, and then they kept using him that way. It's like, Yeah, no. despite all evidence that something had changed. <laughs> but, I mean, it's not like this is like a, a crazy formula that doesn't make any sense to someone who's not versed in statistics and math. It literally is just going to baseball reference, <laughs> clicking on splits. And just having it right there in front of your face in yeah, and, and just in a format that and any baseball person would know. Like I, I, it just has always boggled my mind how people do yeah. not understand how how managers are. I don't know. I mean, this is the same guy that you know batted out of order and tried to fight a reporter in the clubhouse and mocked <laughs> like, Jeff McNeil for checking with his, uh, his yeah for not bringing a dog home wife wife <laughs> or girlfriend I don't remember wife I think wife okay whatever the the point the point being what the fuck Mickey <laughs> yeah uh so this list <laughs> um Lucas the, since you're back now uh, you got any uh I mean, I wanted the point I wanted to make Ari Avalon is that do you really want him back if if the batter rule changes because the splits are so extreme? How do you use a guy like this? I I think there's still value in having a guy who can get you know one specific type of player out, like mm-hmm. um, especially like could you walk a player intentionally? Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, like if a team does left, though. right, left, mm-hmm. you know, you could use them for the two left-handed hitters and just intentionally walk, walk the righty. If you know, you could do that. Um, and that totally wouldn't blow up in their faces. Yeah. No, that would that totally could, but it's something <laughs> you could do. Um, yeah, if you have this guy for not a lot of money and you want to leverage his skill set as much as possible. Um, uh, I can do to check my minor league list is just pull up my AOP. <laughs> Uh, only show, come on, Coors, only show my stories. I, um, I fully expect that he, uh, will either be, if he, if he does come back, he'll spend most of the year with the big league team. (laughs) Yeah. 
Because so they won't a, they won't add enough major league. They're relievers. not gonna add enough um, you know, yeah. pen depth. So Of course not. Um I would like uh I'm not sure if you mentioned any of these guys already. Rene Rivera I would like back. Yeah, I, I would bring Rivera back. Pickles, of course. Um uh, we did mention pickles. Okay. Uh a couple other infielders I was interested in. I take a peek at Scooter Jeanette because he was really good to the last two years. Like not last year but the two before that, and then it was just hurt all year. So uh I I take I take a peek at him. He's, uh, he would he would sign for a minor league contract though. I well I don't know. He got straight up released by two different teams last year. So Yeah, it's typically a good sign. Like the yeah. last time I remember I mean I feel like for the last couple of years I've checked out of major league baseball, but I remember like looking at Scooter Jeanette going from a kind of light hitting infielder to all of a sudden he's locking like twenty five home runs. No, the dude just started hitting dongs. But then he was hurt all of last year. The Mm -hmm. Reds essentially I think they actually released him or traded him for nothing to the Giants. So the Giants released him. Like uh if there was that little interest in him last year, maybe he'd take an incentive laden minor league deal. Yeah, yeah he's uh, either he's either gonna get like a like a one year you know on the vet minimum contract or an NRI. So I mean, hell, I'd sign up to be like the sixth or the fifth bench bat with the expanded roster. Like I think it's a game. Yeah, they, they were like, gonna pay a Danny Hechevarria like five million dollars yeah, last year. Scooter to that. I do uh, the same thing with with Scoot. A much much interest much more interesting than like you know Danny Espinosa who kind of yeah absolutely yeah. yeah. Um. I had a couple other infielders, like Panic, whatever, sure, we can bring him back. Devon Travis, I've always, like, just waiting for him to be good again, but that's probably a fool's errand. Um, in terms of outfielders, uh, Playo, I'm not sure if he'll get a minor league deal or not. but there, he, There's also beef there. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, while he's gone, so... No, but I'm pretty sure he left a sour taste. <laughs> sour, well, yeah, but who knows how with how much turnover there's been, but that's a fair point. Um... There are a lot Listen, of speed guys. I know that I, neither one of you guys are, are are wrestling guys, but if CM Punk come back to WWE, then anything is possible. Okay, well, yeah, I'm gonna just let that uh, analogy slide there. <laughs> just yeah, not sure. sure. Assume sure. whatever you said is correct. <laughs> um, there are a lot of speed outfielders that would be interesting, like Terrence Gore, Dalton Pompey is young and fast. Um, I'd bring back Rajay. He seems like fun. Yeah, I like him. Uh, pitching side. Uh, Mickey Giannis is a free agent. I want him back. I'm, I'm sure he'll be back. I feel uh, like he's been a minor league free agent and come back to Binghamton like 14 times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you've already mentioned Wade LeBlanc. Oh no! You forgot Wade LeBlanc. I would love. I oh, I would love Wade LeBlanc. Okay. You're a lot more excited about Wade LeBlanc than Wade I am. LeBlanc is is a legend. Gabriel Yanoa would be. Uh, good as well. Yeah, I'd be happy with a note. Basically, all of the um, former future Mets. Yeah, <laughs> I would I would love a reunion with as many of those dudes as possible. <laughs> um, the other two names I have written down here that are like more actually good as opposed to sentimentally good. Uh, Alex Wood, who had just and like did nothing for the Reds after they acquired him. I think he gets a major league deal though, so this is opti- probably optimistic. Uh, the other one would be Matt Moore. Who mm. was bad, and then who was good in, with, with the Rays, then bad with the Giants, and then hurt, and then just hasn't been around. Like I, like I'd absolutely take a shot on him, and I think he might only get a minor league deal. 
Yeah, he does seem like the kind of, you know, minor league deal, invitation to spring training kind of dude. Of course, like, I feel like in this tier of players, some of them randomly get five million, some, and some of them just randomly get. Forgotten. Yeah, it's like who shows well <laughs> at, um, I don't know, whatever showcase event. They, or, or who, like, whatever what, workout or. I don't know if you guys heard the, the anecdote about, uh, Billy Bean running into, uh, 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 oh Christ, Christ, uh, who's that pitcher they had for years that always got hurt? Um, uh, Brian really Anderson? Nothing. Is that who I'm thinking of? The left hander with the curveball? No, 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 the righty. Oh Christ. <sighs> he was Brett like Anderson a- was his name anyway. Brett, oh, let me just pull up the A's, uh. What uh, year? This year, this, well he used oh. to be there. And then he came back this year on a free agent deal. Maybe it was Brett. Starters. Teams, athletics, Brett Anderson, that's it. Okay. Um, but apparently Billy Bean ran into him at the gym and was like, who are you with now? And he's like, oh, no one. And then the A signed him. So it, that kind of shit, I think, determines who gets oh, the, this tier of players who gets contracts. So. I wish that the Mets could be in a fortunate enough position to be able to do stuff like that. Mm. I mean, the, the A's, they don't ever seem to be particularly great too often, but they aren't abysmally bad either. Like, they usually seem like they are in contention for at least some part of the season. Where, you know, and they could, you know, you could take gambles on guys like that. And it just seems like the Mets, just with the way that the, the roster is always constructed in terms of payroll and the lack of, how do I put this, goodwill, I guess, among guys that are no longer at the organization, whatever else. Like, very rarely do we have, like, kind of cool stories like that. Part of it is also, I guess, optics. I mean, they did bring back Carlos Gomez this year. That was did kind of have, like, a feel-good story to it. Ruben Dejada a little bit, you know... Same, but I wish we could, yes, do more things like that. Have guys that were here and have then since gone on to do other things and and left good tastes in our mouth come back and have stuff like that. There are there are a lot of and to the Mets credit, and this might have just been a combination of trying to have a good team in a new ballpark last year. They made a lot of interesting and somewhat decent minor league signings last year. Um, but prior to last year, I feel this was an area they generally just did a really, really bad job in. Um, so I hope that was more of a, this, this, uh, management group is, is more interested or more aware of the value of minor league signings and will continue to, to actually try to invest in that part of the offseason. We've already gotten one in, uh, Chase and Tree. Chase not a bad, Chase is a good minor league signing. Nice. Doesn't make up for the fact that they won't even like sniff at coal or whatever, but good. But yeah, sign, no. Sign interesting relievers. One's off the board. <laughs> well, now that the the difference between now and all these other clubs that we're talking about, the Zephyrs, the Buffalo Bisons, the Fifty Ones, is the Mets actually own the Syracuse team now, so there is added incentive to make sure that it's a decent squad. Because they'll be making that attendance money. 
Oh, the all-important AAA attendance money, you know? Yep. Hey, listen, for the Wilpons, that could be, you know... Is Syracuse must win? The new Brooklyn must win? All the money flows to Flushing, all right? All all cash all cash flow avenues lead to Flushing. <laughs> or at least some, the Wilfons wish they did. Yeah, some uh, Cayman Islands accounts as well, but Panama they go through the Cayman Islands <laughs> to Flushing. <sighs> Stupid Mets. <laughs> the common denominator in all these conversations. God yep. damn it, Mets. Another guy I would bring back would be uh Erismendi Alcantara. He's Oh that's a good one. He was a guy that, you know, with the Cubs he was kind of prospecty. And he still is kind of young. I think he's either twenty eight or twenty nine, which isn't a spring chicken, but I mean it's not like Grizzled's veteran in triple A either. And he did put up good numbers. It's a little bit. He has a little power. He can play yeah. second and the outfield, and he can run. He's like he's, a, a useful. Doesn't do any one thing great, but he does a lot of little other things pretty well. Back in the days when uh, during Shortstop Avenue, blah blah blah. Okay, all right, that was smooth. During Shortstop Avenue Audio, uh, Alcantara was always the Cubs shortstop that the Cubs fans said they'd trade us. Like, yeah, you can't have Russell or Baez, but we'll trade you Alcantara for Syndergaard. Great idea. I'll hang How up and listen. Oh, yeah. No, I'd, I'd do that. <laughs> Zach Lee is another kind of former prospecty guy that was on the team, and he was just uh, not good at all. No. He's okay to a degree in Binghamton when they sent him down, but in Syracuse, he just got lit up. I remember back in the day when he was going to be, like, you know, the next Kershaw. And then he didn't he have that, like, really good first start again? Or did they beat him up? I don't remember. He made his first start Zach against Lee? the Mets. Yeah, Zach yeah. Lee. Zach Lee got, got his tits lit. Against um, the Mets in that first career yeah, start? So yeah, that was, like, Conforto hit a double in, like, his second career game. Okay. Uh, I, it, they ended up winning like seventeen to two or something like that. I knew that first game was memorable for one reason or another. <laughs> so I don't remember which one. So the Mets basically broke his spirit then. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was also bad. He was on top prospect list for so long, and he was never good. I never understood it. Yeah, he was. I want to say he also got hurt, and that basically was the end of it. He had like a good. Fastball curveball combo, but that was about it. And then, you know, as a starter, you're not going to really survive with that limited repertoire. And then, yep. This is a cautionary tale about prep pitchers. Yeah, yeah. Prospects will break your heart. Renee Rivera, I think we all agreed we'd bring him back. Yep. (laughs) Do we do we make any phone calls to Devin Mazzarago? Try to get him out of retirement. Uh, yeah, I honestly wouldn't. Because... I mean, I, I'd call him and be like, sorry, bro. <laughs> that was a shitty thing we did. <laughs> the, 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 the apology he deserves aside, I would not want him. Because he's, like, I'd be looking at catchers as, like, a potential Ramos backup, and Mazzarocco is like... Yeah, he, he, if you, you don't want to bring somebody in um, unless you'd... Be okay with them spending right. time on the roster, and at this point, I, I think Devin Mezzarocco is probably done. I mean, Mezzarocco, like Ramos, is good offense, can't play defense. 
Resoraco is somewhere between bad and mediocre offense and can't play defense. Yeah. So, so like, run with a defensive backup if Ramos is going to be your starting catcher. Lobaton, I had Lobaton written down too. I don't even know what he did last year, where he was at. Um, Let's find out. Jose Lobaton, Fangraphs. I know Martin Maldonado is. He'll get a major. I think he'll get a major deal from somebody. Uh, Jose Lobaton was in the Mariners and Dodgers AAA teams. Okay. Last year. Maldonado will sign with like, uh, hmm, I'm gonna say the Red Sox or something. And then when the Red Sox are bad at midseason, he'll get traded to the Astros for the third straight year <laughs> at the deadline. They won't sign him though. That'd make too much sense. Another guy I liked would would to bring back would be Travis Tyrone. He another guy, you know, formerly Mets guy, left, mm-hmm. came back. Hasn't really gotten too much of a shot at the major league level, but there probably isn't either that much potential there. Mm-hmm. But he's a fun, you know, all or nothing slugger, so can't go wrong with that. Is he, like, is he first base only at this point, pretty much, or? Yeah, he only, I mean, I don't know if he has, physically can, you know, play outfield, but he did play first base all last year. I'd like to see him as kind of like a, a Mets, uh, Val Pascucci kind of guy. Who? Val Pascucci, come on, man. Who is Val Pescucci? Literally no idea who this is. <laughs> Valentino Pescucci. He is the, uh, he was a coach in the system for quite a few years, but when the Mets were in Buffalo, they signed him as like a, a minor league free agent. He was like a 38 year old, or hitter, you know, all or nothing slugger. I want to say that he had the Buffalo Bison. I think he was with their team prior to the Mets coming in there. Mm-hmm. So whoever had the Buffalo uh, Bisons before the Mets, but he has like the the career, you know, home run record for the Bisons or something to that effect. And of course, you know, he's a he's a he's the modern day Crash Davis kind of dude. Okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, he could be that kind of player. Sure. Is he still the hitting coach for Bingo? I don't know. I want to say that he is, but at the same time, I know the last year or two, a lot of guys have shuffled up and down. Yeah. Usually their personnel is listed. I mean, in a year, he might not be, because there yeah, might true. not be <laughs> any more Rumble Tonys, unfortunately. But no, uh Tony Jaramillo is not, the yeah. coach. He was up until a year ago, I want to say. He was part, he was, was he with, um I want to say that he left when... Frank Viola left as well. So when was that? Last year or two years ago? Two years ago, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I guess we didn't really miss out on that much. I remember some people were annoyed that he, like, never got a chance to be the pitching coach. Seems No, I don't think that he's... Did he get a job anywhere else? No. Mm. He is also... He also had the heart surgery and all that stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He is kind of cantankerous, I guess that's a good way to... <laughs> polite. <laughs> polite way to put it, but... I could see him getting on rubbing, you know, potential suitors the wrong way. But at the same time, you really can't go, you know, with the guys that came up under his tutelage and where they are now and what they've done. You can't argue with those results either. So if the guy wants to be an asshole, then he could be an asshole because you know what? He's helping turn guys into all-stars. That's that's fair. Yeah. (laughs) And and for he wasn't, you know, to my knowledge, a complete asshole or anything like that. So it's not don't want to besmirch his good name or nothing like that. The other thing with these minor league signings, and this is something that we we obviously don't know. I don't. I, I'm always uh, any just any generally smart player, right? And not I mean like just someone who thinks about the game a lot or or just goes about things in in a in the in an intelligent way or an intellectual way cuz like, i think this is a great avenue to cultivate your your future coaches or coaching prospects even and i don't i don't know that the mets attract a lot of those sorts of players or have a lot of them is that a polite way of putting that um, <laughs> it is uh but any any of these minor league or guys who are in the system who who they know have have their have the skill set for that kind of role uh, should be brought back. I'm trying to think of the last guys on the Mets or on one of their like AAA, AA teams or whatever that kind of had that aura about them. It might have been the last guy might have been Val Pascucci ten you know ten years ago. I know Alex Cora, when he was still a player, everybody talked about how in the future he'd be a, a coach, but this is like 2006, 2007, whatever it was. Is Alex Cora that long ago? Jesus Christ. Yeah. He was on the 2006 team, I think it was. Or maybe it's 2007. Jesus. I confused Damien Easley and Alex Cora, but one of them Damien's. was like 2006, the other was like 2007 or 8 or something. I know that they had um former player Sean Ratliff as a coach and they do not have his services any longer for reasons unknown to me. Mm-hmm. To be clear, I'm not trying to get the former play the the kind of former player coach a la Wally Backman. That is uh not what we're shooting for here. I think Manny Ramirez is still out there somewhere. So, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he's just like hanging out in in Taiwan or something, just hitting bombs off of clowns and <laughs> not actually he's, trying that hard. That was his last whereabouts. Was he was playing in Taiwan? I'm, I'm bored. I'm gonna go out there and just hit three home runs off whoever this scrub is. Just gonna hit taters. Yep. Yep. He he had he was he was in the Cub system for a little bit, and then he was the player coach of the Iowa Cubs for I think a season. Oh right, or two. I forgot that. Mm-hmm. And then he since moved on to 
the CPBL, the Chinese Professional Baseball League. And I remember that one of the clauses in his contract was that he got unlimited sushi. So it sounds like a good contract to me. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I could eat a lot of sushi, and I am not uh, an athlete like Manny Ramirez is, whose you know body is is primed for all that protein intake. So I'm sure that he could really destroy a plate of sushi. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that covers the Syracuse Mets in, in a lot of depth and detail there. More depth than the uh, prospect interest of this roster deserved. Yeah, I mean, uh, Anthony Kay played on the team for a little bit before being traded. Mm. Uh, Ali Sanchez, he was promoted in like August or so. Didn't hit well, unsurprisingly. I'm trying to think uh, of the, the, what prospects are going to be on this team starting next year. I mean, you have Jimenez at short. Ali Sanchez will probably be catching. Probably have Haggerty at second base, if you want to call him a prospect, which is yeah, generous. Yeah, I was going to say. But... Uh, Gilliam, the lines, maybe... Uh, Franklin Killamay might spend some time in AAA. I yeah, I mean, he should he probably, rehabs. like, get back on the field in AAA, yeah. I, I assume he rehabs in, in Binghamton maybe and then gets sent up or however, but he'll spend some time in AAA definitely. Uh, David Peterson. He should see time in AAA. He I should help so. start the season there. Yeah. Yeah. Blake Powell, Taylor Blake Taylor and Sapucky as relievers would make sense too. I don't know if I'd have uh, – I think Sapucky would definitely see some time. I, I would start him in Binghamton just because he only pitched like 20 innings or something like that there. Yeah, that's fair. If Harrell was not uh, taken in the Rule 5 draft, yep. he should be in AAA. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, Riley Gilliam, possibly. Yeah, I mean, he should be in AAA with the lines uh, in terms of like the actual reliever prospects. Tony DeBrell, he was pretty bad in Binghamton. I don't know, they probably should have him repeat that because he was that bad. Yeah. Kevin yeah. Smith will probably be there. Kevin Smith, yep. So actually next next year might actually be a pretty decent prospect wise for Syracuse. In terms in terms of like super top prospects, not much, but in terms of organizational depth guys, which are on some level interesting, yeah, they got a nice pool. Yep, 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 yep. And I'm sure all like the retread relievers will wind up there too. Yeah, yeah. Whoever's still around. What's his name? Drew Smith. I think he'll be back from Tommy John. When did he get his TJ? Like start of last year? I don't remember. I don't know. Um. So I'm sure Seawald will somehow stick around because he just always does. <laughs> uh, can't get rid of him. Tim Peterson. A leaderson? Yeah, yeah. Uh. Oh, Zamora. Zamora, of course, should be there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, should be there, assuming they uh, build out the Major League bullpen. But, you know, Mets. It's kind of annoying because all these guys in Syracuse, there's no team that's close by. And obviously, Syracuse is further than Binghamton. And Binghamton does come to Trenton. So, all these guys, and it's inconvenient to go see. 
Yep. All right. Uh, let's take a break. And when we get back, we'll uh, have some parting words here, I guess. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin. And do you guys have any last words for the week? Uh, interested in what the Mets do in the Rule 5, honestly. Uh, though that's still a couple months away. The protections were interesting. Not protecting Harold is, is interesting to me. Um, Hey, I just want Harold to get to the big leagues. I don't care with who. It would be nice if it was the Mets. <laughs> I found I found it a little surprising that like I like David Humphreys. I I think he's going to be a better pitcher than Harold. I'm also Jordan. probably wrong. But he's also pretty far away from the majors. Still. He's, like, he's got no innings. Right. So I, I don't think he would have been. Now, the, the counter argument is that some team could just phantom DL him as he works his way back and because he's a pitcher, be like, oh, his elbow's sore or something. Honestly, uh, I don't see him as worth a – he's not worth a roster spot. I was never the high person on him to begin with. Yeah. I mean, I saw him in – Columbia like three years ago or two years ago, whenever it was when he was with them before the Tommy John, I was not impressed. He was like 92 to 93 with okay, like curveball and change up and just like a, not a, not quite a Chris Flexen body, but a big body dude. And I was kind of like, eh. <laughs> and then the next year, the numbers were really great. So he got a lot of hype, but I don't know. I didn't really. See anything too special? And I mean, it seems it seems like even if we like dis like uh, I, I we probably disagree on the amount of upside there, but he's so far away. There's right. still the post injury risk, and, and Harold mm-hmm. might like be the seventh starter this season. I don't understand why they didn't protect Harold. Even if even if Humphreys comes back completely healthy and the stuff is exactly the way it was and everything like that, he still hasn't pitched above. High A, I believe mm-hmm. it is. I yep. mean, you know, you're not getting, you're not going to be getting most likely major league batters out, even if it's one batter a week. Yep. You know, and, and if he's pitching to one batter a week, that's an extremely ineffective use of that roster spot. For now, a guy that, you know, like I said, I'm not the highest on, maybe you guys are higher, but I'm not going to say that he's a dime a dozen, but I feel like most teams have guys in their system that can you know, sit in the mid nineties with, with most, most teams have guys in their systems that can be like third, fourth, fifth starters. My counter argument would be that with the extra roster spot and like, if you're a really crummy team, like the Orioles or something, and you have that extra roster spot, like you should grab these kind of guys, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, there. I forget who it was. I think it was Jared. I don't know if he just kind of mentioned it offhandedly or if he actually wrote about it somewhere. Well, somewhere baseball prospectus. But like a team could conceivably, a really bad team could conceivably, you know, tank and in doing so, pick up a couple of guys that are, you know, uh, Shaverian Newton. Uh, you know, Thomas Zipucky, if he was available, you know, guys that have that kind of upside and just roster them and who cares because your team is going to be yeah, bad absolutely. anyway. Yeah. And that extra roster spot gives them one extra guy that they could 
I think teams would already do this with pitchers. I think the extra roster spot probably matters more for like hiding a Newton or yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. who got protected. Um, but that kind of caliber guy. Yeah. I don't know. Point is, Harold, like a team like the Mets who fancy themselves contenders, I think it's more important to bite the bullet and take the risk that someone steals Humphreys from you so that you don't lose your depth seventh starter. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what they're going to be doing, but like you said, Harold is conceivably could be pitching for the Mets next year. And those games might, in theory, matter. Who knows? We've seen worse. <laughs> We've seen worse guys pitching more high pressure situations. So, uh, you want some uh, depressing breaking news? The Braves mm-hmm. just signed Travis Darno. That oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't wait to see him be better than Ramos for less money. I have you got uh, me nervous uh, there for a second. I have one more uh, free agent, potential minor league free agent. Um. Would you guys bring back, as a minor league free agent, if he doesn't get a deal elsewhere, Juan Ligaris for any particular reason? Yeah, as a minor league free agent, absolutely. Okay. <sighs> like, he's How a linebacker outfielder. How is the glove? What did the metrics say about it? Because I feel like he hasn't been... I mean, I didn't really watch... I don't think I actually watched any games last year, but... <laughs> Did he look good at least when he was playing? I like good defense. I don't know if it's the you know elite defense that he's always had, but right, well, I feel like those days are gone. But if if the glove is okay, then yeah, I guess why not. But if the glove was not okay, yeah, then... I mean you'd have to scout it and yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I mean we kind of touched on the Rule Five draft. Um, but we're going to be going into it a little bit more detail in a few weeks, depending on how the Mets 40 man, you know, is, is arranged. Right now there's no extra spots, but I mean, there is a little bit of dead weight there, so they might conceivably kick some guys off and, and open up some spots that they might draft anybody. But we'll, you know, if that happens, definitely want to, Listen to the show that week because we will go into plenty of detail about all those possible guys. Uh, but if you have any other questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You could follow us individually on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at lvlahos343. And Ken is at Ken1191. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review them. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will be back next week. Uh, kind of fun show, I guess, uh, in scheduled right now. We're going to just look at the DSL, Dominican Summer League, and the GCL, Gulf Coast League. Not looking at the team specifically, but just some of the fun guys to keep an eye on down there. So definitely want to tune in next week. And until then... Love the Mets, love the Mets.